grace, mercy, and peace to you from him who is our shield and our fortress as we battle against Satan each day in our lives. In the name of Jesus Christ, my dear friends. This morning, I would like you to picture yourself standing before this vending machine, and you're looking for a Snickers bar. So you put your dollar in, you punch in the code that corresponds with the Snickers bar, and nothing happens. Nothing drops down, nothing comes into the door at the bottom. So you feed another dollar into the machine, you press the same code for the Snickers bar, once again, nothing is dispensed. Should you put another dollar in that machine? It has been said that repeating the same action over and over again while expecting a different result is the definition of insanity. Right? Well, through our sermon series, we've been studying how... The devil seeks to lure us away from God. The devil is God's enemy. He hates God, but he's been cast out of heaven. He cannot directly attack God. But like the mafia, if they can't get to the person, they'll get to the person's family, right? So the devil wants to get at God by getting at you and me. He wants to lead us to dishonor God in our lives. And he wants to lead us to give up our faith and our trust in God. He wants us to disown God so that we will spend eternity with him in hell. And so Satan will continually tempt you and continually tempt me throughout our life on earth. He is not going to give up as long as we live. And so with that in mind, I want to talk to you about your temptation today. Have you been tempted so far this morning? Were you tempted yesterday, the day before? Yeah? Did you fall into sin? Yeah. Was it a different sin, a different temptation every time? Or have some been repeated? Same temptation, same sin. Sometimes we're like the person who keeps feeding cash into the vending machine that's dispensing nothing, hoping we'll get something different out of it, right? Getting something from it. And so if we in our lives are expecting that we're going to stand against Satan and resist his temptations using the same failed strategies, the same failed approaches, then we are practicing spiritual insanity. And so to help us and assist us, the Lord has given us his scriptures. Paul writes, everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. So I want you to consider as we look at the text that is before us about what took place during Jesus' trial before the high priest, that the Holy Spirit reveals to us only what Peter was doing at that time. Not what the other 12 were doing, what the other 11 were doing. Only Peter. Why does he select what Peter was doing? Because he wants us to learn from it. 
And as we review what happens in this lesson, we see how Satan works. We, we are able to identify his ways. And we're also to see and learn from Peter's mistakes. Where did Peter go wrong? And where can we adjust and change our lives so we don't fall into the same pattern of sins over and over again, the same spiritual insanity? But in order for us to really understand what's taking place in our text, we need some background. We need a backdrop. Prior to Peter being in that courtyard around the fire where he's being asked if he is a disciple of Jesus, being accused of being Jesus' disciple, he was in the upper room with the other disciples celebrating the Lord's Supper, the Last Supper. And Jesus had to address an argument between the disciples over which of them is the greatest. So they're filled with pride if they're arguing about that, aren't they? And right at the end of that, when he's talking to their pride, he says this, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. Already here, Jesus is saying, Peter, your pride has set you up for a fall. Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. What does that mean? Well, in ancient times, they were gathering grain from the field. But before you took your wheat and you ground it up into flour, you would sift it because in with the wheat there could still be bits of straw and even insects like grasshoppers. Do you want that in your bread dough? Probably not. So they would sift it. They would put it into one of these little sieves, shake it around, and that's what Satan wanted to do to Peter. He wanted to sift him. Peter, I'll show you what's really in your heart. I'll show you how weak you really are. Satan's goal was to lead Peter into sin and then despair over it. That's what Satan does. He tempts. But as we heard in our epistle lesson, God does not tempt. God tests. Temptation has the goal of leading us away from faith in God Testing has the opposite goal. That's not God's goal. God's goal is for all people to be in heaven with him. He wants all men to be saved. And so what is God's purpose behind testing? Does God need to find out what's in your heart and my heart? Did he not know what was in Peter's heart? He knows everything. But God tests to make us aware of what's in our hearts. On one occasion, there was a rich man who came to Jesus and said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, well, obey the commandments. Honor your father and mother. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. And the man said, all these I have kept since I was a youth. And so Jesus tested him. He said, go sell all that you have and give it to the poor. And then come follow me. And the man went away sad. What did Jesus' testing reveal about his heart? That in his heart, he didn't love God above all things. He loved his money more than God. He exposed it. And Jesus exposed it so that this man would realize that he had broken the first commandment and that he needed help. He needed Jesus. 
Do you see the difference behind God's testing and Satan's tempting? Completely different purpose, completely different agenda, completely different goal. And so, the devil wants to sift Peter like wheat. And what is Peter's response? He says, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. Lord, I got this. Don't, 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 don't warn me. I'm good to go. I'll follow you to death. Well, how well did that work out for Peter? Peter followed Jesus after his arrest to the courtyard of the high priest. He's gathered around a fire with some others who are there. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, this man was with him. But he denied it. Woman, I don't know him. Hmm. Did he pass the test? What had Peter been holding on to? He's holding on to something other than Christ, right? The story is told of a captain of an Alaskan crab boat. Perhaps you've seen the most dangerous catch on TV. Okay. And uh, they go out into some rough seas in order to catch crab, to pull those pots off the bottom of the ocean. And so when they're in those rough seas, the captain announces when a big wave is going to come crashing over the deck because those waves could wash the sailors right off into the ocean and uh, it's easy to get lost out there, and they would not last more than a few minutes in the cold water. And so the captain says, grab onto something. One man grabs onto the railing firmly to hold him. Another man grabs onto the beam of the ship and hugs it tight. And the third man wraps his arms around himself. Peter was wrapping his arms around himself, wasn't he? Lord, I got this. Where did it get him? He was not as strong as he thought he was. When he was put to the test, he failed. Woman, I don't know him. So where do we see Satan's tactics here? Well, he isolated Peter, didn't he? Got Peter alone, away from all the other disciples, away from other believers, and he's surrounded by people who are hostile. He's not as strong as he thinks he is. He caves in. And here's where we're reminded what the Lord tells us. Bad company corrupts good character. In your life, when you think, I got this, Lord. I don't need to have other people around me. I can walk into the jaws of the lion and I'll be safe. That's when we set ourselves up for a fall. Bad company corrupts good character. Frequently, we become like the people we hang around with. Their attitudes and their ways will rub off on you and rub off on me. That's a warning. And he says, if you think that you're able to stand, if you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Don't trust in your power. Trust in a greater power. The power that Jesus himself provides. But Peter's testing wasn't done. Another man took notice of him and said, you also are one of them. And how does Peter reply? Man, I am not. 
And so what happens is Peter gets hit with the same question again. You are one of them, the same statement. And now he's got two things to cover for. One is he's got to cover for the fact that he's a follower of Jesus. Right? I still don't want people to know because of what might happen to me. And now he's also got to cover because he lied. Doesn't want that exposed either. And isn't that frequently what happens in our lives? One sin leads to another. After the first sin, after we give in to temptation the first time, the second one is that much easier to come by. The first lie you tell leads to a second lie and a third lie. Ask an alcoholic. And they will tell you it's not the fifth or the sixth drink that gets you drunk. It's the first one. After the first one, the second one's easy. A relative told me that after she went too far the first time with her boyfriend, it was that much easier to go too far for every date thereafter. Because sin is habit forming. Once we give in, Satan pounces and it snowballs and it rolls up on us and the guilt grows. And Satan keeps pressing the attack. Another man comes up to Peter and says, certainly this fellow was with him for he is a Galilean. And again, Peter replies, man, I don't know what you are talking about. He's not just saying, I'm not a follower of Jesus. Peter is going so far as to say, I don't even know the guy. Never heard of him. He's going lower and lower and lower because he continues to hug himself and disregard the help that the Lord provides. In the news... Occasionally we hear of parents who injure their children because the little baby won't stop crying. Have you ever heard of shaken baby syndrome? It's an awful thing, isn't it, to hear about it? Have you ever heard about that and said, I could never do such a thing? Not me. The parents who did such a thing would have said the same thing beforehand, right? He said, I got this. I, would, I could never do such a thing to my child. But after two weeks of no sleep because you're up with a colicky child and you just want that child to quiet down so you can get some rest and you feel that you should be able to handle this on your own without any help from God or from anybody else. And in an instant, you snap, you break, and the damage is done. And you can't undo it. That's what happens when we follow the path of Peter and hug ourselves and trust in ourselves to be able to stand against the Satan's, the temptations that Satan brings against us again and again and again. If we cling to ourselves, we will fail like Peter did again and again and again. And so where do we find our help? Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. 
Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. So the rooster crowed. Peter remembered what Jesus had said. Before the rooster crows, you'll deny me. <gasps> and notice who's looking at him. It doesn't say, doesn't use the word Jesus to identify him. It says the Lord. This is Peter's maker and creator. He has denied not a man, but God himself. And so you can imagine the terror, the remorse, the agony that is seizing Peter's heart. And Jesus looked straight at him. But this was not a look from Jesus to disown him. Jesus had warned Peter that he would fall, but then he told Peter, when you have turned back, encourage your brothers. Turn back. Satan wanted Peter to do what Judas did, to despair in any help or hope from God and to end it all. But Jesus' look reminded Peter of his Savior's words and of his call to return. Because later that day, Jesus was going to follow a path that would lead to a hill and on that very hill, all the guilt and the shame and the pain that Peter was feeling in his heart and his soul because of what he had done would be placed on the man on the center cross. For all the times that Peter had denied Jesus, God would unleash his anger on Jesus. For all the times you and I have done what Peter did and denied him in our words and in our actions, God unleashed his anger on Jesus there too. He satisfied it all. You are not under the punishment of God anymore, nor am I. And so when we fall into sin again and again, let's go hang out underneath the cross of Jesus and let his blood drip on us and wash us clean. And then let's know that with his help, we can turn back and that we have strength. Not from within, but from above. We have a God in heaven above who desires to pour out on us all the strength and power we need to hold on to Christ in faith and to resist temptation. Jesus gave this promise. The Father will give the Spirit to whoever, to whoever asks him. He says, whoever, he says, you know how to give good gifts, right? If you who are sinful know how to, good, to give good gifts, then how much more will my Father in heaven give good gifts, give the Spirit to those who ask him? And what did Jesus say to the disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane? Watch and pray. What does Jesus teach in the prayer that he gave us? Lead us not into temptation. Help isn't in here Help isn't in you to stand against Satan's attacks. It comes from above. And as Pastor Tom pointed out last Sunday, God has given us fellow Christians, right? So we can swim in schools with them so that when I'm weak, you can share the word with me and that the Spirit through that word can build me up. When you're weak, I can share the word with you and the Spirit through that word will build you up. And so that together, we will be able to stand. For it's by the Spirit's power that you will be able to say no 
to the date who wants you to go too far. It's by the Spirit's power that you will be able to say no to the urge to find coping in a bottle, coping for your stress in a bottle rather than in Christ. When we go to our Lord, in him we find strength, we find help, and we find hope. And so, brothers and sisters, let's gather together regularly to swim in the school, the school of God's word, so that by it we might be built up and strengthened, and that we might reach out to our God for help and hope. Let's always remember that God's dispenser of help and hope is never, ever out of order. Amen.